94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. The Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Woo! Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. <laughs> Is- if we can be a source of uh, entertainment for you, Lieutenant Governor, we're, we're happy to do it. Yeah. Well, the numbers are better now, so, yeah. uh, you so know, there's a little yeah. bit more joy in the air. <laughs> Thank you for that segue. Um, yes, actually, the numbers have been, you know, going down here in Hawaii. That the People have been looking at, the, at those numbers going, oh, yay, uh, COVID numbers, you know, declining in Hawaii. Open everything up. Some of, you know, some of the people online commenting um, and wondering why Hawaii is, you know, so I guess, you know, taking its time in opening things up. Um, How do you respond to that? Well, uh, let me start from the top and then definitely address that. Yeah. Because I kind of agree with them. Uh, First of all, the numbers are declining, thank goodness. If you, let's do a little flashback here. So four weeks ago today on the 3rd of of the month of September, uh, we had our peaks where we had 865 cases, 448 people in the hospital, which was our absolute uh, high water mark. That was our peak. And the positivity rate was 7.51%. Two weeks ago, when we were together, the numbers had begun to drop, although we're really high, uh, 581 cases, 330 people in the hospital and 6.48% positivity. And then today, or today and yesterday, yesterday's count was 332, uh, significantly declining positivity rate of 3.88%, 3% lower than the national average. And I have uh, numbers to report hot off the presses. We are now down to 183 people in the hospital total. That's Hmm. 61% decrease uh, from our peak uh, exactly four weeks ago to the day. So uh, what happens, as you know, is uh, because of the vaccinations and because people are really sacrificing. So I want to thank everybody for really keeping the lid on during September, not, not gathering in large numbers. The numbers have declined very steeply and you can expect more of that in the coming two weeks. But now that the hospital numbers are down to 183, you know, we're out of the red zone. That was very dangerous when we were at 448 because you saw that there was chatter about rationing care, which I am very much against. Mm -hmm. And there was also chatter about potential extra loss of life, uh, which we did see, of course, fatalities. And that, you know, it breaks your heart every single time someone passes because it's, for the most part, preventable. But now the hospitalized numbers are so much lower, we will see the fatalities drop off really significantly, too. So all of that is great news. It doesn't mean we're done, but it's a reflection of the vaccination rate. I think you know that we're the only state in the country that's top 90 percent, 90 percent for people initiating vaccination that are eligible. And our other numbers are good, too. Like 68 percent are now fully vaccinated, over 76 percent of the whole society, even when you include kids have started their, their vaccinations. And so that's why the numbers are dropping and why I think people are probably texting and posting on Facebook that they would like to see some, you know, some restrictions removed because we want to see our kids play sports and we want to be able to have some normalcy. Thank you. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, you know, some people are um, saying that part of the reason it's going down also is because of the lack of tourists that we've been having. You know, the governor uh, made that mention a couple weeks ago to not come here. Uh, they've been listening in droves, and uh, our numbers are way down. Yeah. If I, oh, I'm sorry. My microphone. <laughs> uh, if I may share for our listeners to just get some kind of context about this. So cases of coronavirus have declined 47% from the September 15th to 28th period. Um, visitors in, this, in the same period have declined almost by half to 17,000 a day. So both of those things happening at the mm-hmm. same time? 
Right. So let me explain that. So the cases, the raw cases that come from travel was just one to two percent of all cases. So the cases were not really the contributing factor from travelers. However, when everybody's out working and they're in the lunchrooms and they're taking masks off to eat or they're fully back at work and a lot of people are back sitting on the bench right now or or taking a pause from work because, you know, 45 percent or more travel decline uh, has an impact then there's just a lot less spread. So that's what we believe. But look, of course, you can go to the great extreme, which is what New Zealand did and had nobody ever come in and have no cases and then no spread. However, a place like Hawaii that depends almost completely on some revenue from travelers will feel the impact. I can share, I'm really grateful that people have been able to have this pause and we will you know, we will benefit from having had this chance to vaccinate. That's what we did. During the month of September, we vaccinated quite a lot. We did 150,000 shots in the month of September. And that was when you already had very few people left to initiate. So that was a great thing. Very well done by Department of Health and our people. But there are consequences, of course. For example, the the reality is we had 250,000 less travelers to the state of Hawaii, about 10,000 fewer per day. And that 250,000 individuals that did not come to Hawaii means that there will be $50 million less revenue for our schools and our hospitals and and people's jobs. And it also meant about $400 million less spent in the state of Hawaii, which is people's small businesses and what have you. But they are are not comparable, per se. It's just these are the realities. The reality is we're very grateful that we got our cases under control and we needed to. We needed to have a little bit of rest from the, you know, the large amount of contacts that we all had. But that's going to have to change at some point, too. So taking advantage of getting that uh, vaccination number up was a smart thing. You know, that surging Delta variant and uh, that whole crisis that we faced over the last couple of months was the reason, of course, that governor, you know, told uh, tourists for the past few months, you know, uh, now's not a good time to come to Hawaii. So um, that statement has been blamed um, among the factors uh, for our tourism numbers declining. Uh, People have mixed feelings about that, of course. Now, I'm hearing that the governor is saying now he is inviting um, um, you know, state leaders, uh, people in the tourism industry specifically to uh, give input on a change in messaging. What are you expecting as a lieutenant governor? What are you recommending and what are what are you seeing coming? What I would expect is he will encourage people to slowly come back uh, without a torrent of travel, because it takes two to three weeks at the very least for people to begin the process of rebooting their plans to travel here. I think he'll begin to have us come uh, back to where we were with tourism but a little less than we had. Remember, we had too many tourists before COVID even broke out. So there's a lot of um, wiggle room there. It's just we can't be we can't be under 50 percent. That's just simply too many people that work and, and take care of their kids uh, with those revenues, with those jobs. So we'll come back slowly. I think that's what he'll encourage people to do. I think he will strongly encourage all people to be vaccinated and will also likely encourage people, if they would, to also get an additional test it's never a bad thing to have some extra testing. It's difficult because you can't legally force someone to test. And we know we can't completely uh, police the quarantine. But if you come back slowly like that and our people now are vaccinated in these enormous numbers, I think we can expect a lot of safety. It's not going to be perfect. Remember, you can get breakthrough cases, but they're rare. And we do still have some pockets of our state that have extra vulnerability. 
that's that is a worry for all of us. But there's not tended to be transmission between tourists who tend to keep it themselves and our local residents. So we can gradually bring back tourism. You know that November and December are very important months for Hawaii because that's when people have you know, time to travel from the mainland. We'll also begin to bring back international tourism, which the federal government has authorized as long as people get both the vaccination and and a test. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a very stringent um, protocol. And so we're going to be safe. Remember, when the Japanese community comes back from Japan, they represent 15 percent of our travel, but 30 percent of the revenue. That's a very good market for us. Uh, that combined with Korea and Japan, if they have these extra layers of protection, which in many cases are kind of modeled after what we were doing from the start. Not exactly the same, but similar. We're going to be safe. And so I expect November and December to be good months for our people, but I expect 2022 to be a great year for our state. And so those are the things that are under consideration, I think, from the governor's perspective. I think that I'm going to continue to to preach good public health, but that it's safe to travel as long as you're careful. And it'll come back. What would that actually look like when you say that, you know, tourism will be encouraged to come back, but, you know, more slowly? How do you put brakes on that? Like, you know, with more testing or how how do you put brakes on that? Or is the governor going to be asking the hotels or the airlines to do some kind of limits or what does that look like? Well, that's a good question because it's very challenging. It's not something that's really the purview of a governor to say you can only have this many flights flying in. These are are interstate commerce questions, and you can't just do that. I mean, they are, of course, in communication all the time, and they can can encourage the industry to not overshoot with with cheap tickets, for example. That cheap ticket thing is bad for us. We don't like that because it brings back tourists that are um, really not prepared to follow the rules very well. And so they can discourage that. But as far as the breaks go, yes, having you know, a continued requirement that people do the safe travels program and that they have to be fully vaccinated or go into quarantine, that is a break. And then, of course, the testing, which has been uh, you know, pretty effective. I know that there's chatter back and forth about that, but people miss the larger point. The very process of asking people from way back, back in October of last year, to go through the process of getting a test, that means they had to consider, am I sick? Do I have to worry about breaking a rule? Do I have to go through and get a test within 72 hours? All of that was what you're describing. That was putting the brakes on and decreasing the number of potential risk travelers. And so all of that is very effective. It's not something that you're going to analytically say will protect you 100%, but it will protect you in general. That's why our numbers were the lowest. And using that process, We've already had success because, as you know, we were able to kind of titrate how many travelers we could tolerate and how many hotels could open and then where we could go with our hospital and care healthcare system. That's exactly what we will do again. It's just that it remains to be seen whether the governor is going to like double down on extra testing and whatnot. Mm. From my standpoint, it is a very good process to require vaccination. You, you know that if you want to fly for right now from New York down to Florida or New York over to Texas or whatever, they're not checking whether you're vaccinated or not. You're just going. We're the only state doing that. So uh, we already do have a lot of extra protection in place. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Governor, um, wanted to follow up with something you were mentioning with regards to the testing aspect of things. Um, Lisa Suzanne, and I've had actually a couple of my friends who are uh, state workers, uh, city workers. Uh, they're wondering what the reasoning is behind why 
we're not testing the visitors once they come into Hawaii if they have a vaccination, but all city, state first responders or just employees, state employees, they have to test once they come in, like three days after they return. Uh, and they're saying, oh, well, we have to just take off work in order to do this. And it seems way more stringent than what's happening with our visitors. Yeah, that, that is a curious situation because, you know, any of us now have to do that if we go back and, and travel to the mainland. Mm-hmm. The best thing I can tell you is that it was a gigantic difference in spread of COVID between those of us who are returning mm-hmm. and those who are traveling here. And the reason for that is obvious, although it gets a lot of pushback. If you are traveling back to Hawaii because we live here, mm-hmm. you are then going to be with your family and your friends and going to work, and you have all of these close contacts 24-7. So if you catch COVID while you're in Vegas or Florida or California or wherever, and then you come back and you say you're going into quarantine, you were actually going to still be spreading to your close contacts. And even if you did go into quarantine and you had an asymptomatic case, you also would very likely spread thereafter. So that was a problem. Whereas if you're a traveler from Canada or, or, or Texas or whatever, and you came here for a seven day vacation, you had minimal contact with some people at the hotel and minimal contact at restaurants, but basically you were staying in your bubble. It's not like you were going out to work with 50 people, 100 people. You weren't in, in mass contact with the local community. And so the spread risk is just way, way lower uh, for those that were traveling here as visitors. Mm. So we're trying to make sure that we don't have large spreading events. It was always sensible, and I had been saying this behind uh, closed doors to my friends and family for quite some time, it's good to lay low for three days after you return from any trip. And then if you can do a quick rapid test or what have you, you give yourself a lot of assurance that you didn't accidentally catch COVID. You're still pretty uh, clean and clear if you are vaccinated. The vaccination is by far the most important thing because there aren't that many breakthrough cases. There are some, but there aren't that many. And I, I hope that people will you know, continue to realize that. But Yes, you know, these are all these are inexact sciences, but they are meant to overall decrease the spread. And I think that that's why they settled on that policy. As long as the case counts are dropping, I think that we, you know, we shouldn't uh, lurch from one policy to another too much. I think we should just kind of ride a steady course through this month, continue to vaccinate, and then we'll be very safe in November and December. Mm, okay. Thank you very much. Wanted to talk now about this uh, confirmation that the governor made this week that the 70 percent full vaccination rate, you know, once upon a time, a few months ago, he was saying when we reach 70 percent full vaccination, all restrictions will be dropped. What's changed? Why did the governor this week say that 70 percent is no longer the benchmark? And since that is no longer the benchmark where restrictions will be dropped, what will be the criteria now? I'm glad you did clarify that that's the governor's position. Yes, I appreciate. Uh, but so here, what changed, simply put, is Delta. The Delta variant is so much more infectious. It's like five, six, seven times as, as infectious as the original variant. So essentially everybody who was exposed to the Delta variant was going to catch it. So that was the big change. Now, interestingly, we're not quite yet at 70% fully uh, vaccinated for society. We're sitting at 67.9%, probably touch uh, 68% today. It's probably going to take another two weeks. In two weeks, when we touch 70% fully vaccinated, our case counts may very well be under 100 uh, a day at that point if the, um, if the rate of decline continues. 100, 150, 
that is a very good situation. And I can't I can't speak for the governor. I, I've learned that that's not really a prudent move for me. But the uh, the truth is, our case counts and our hospital counts will be very low at 70 percent. Also, we have had 5.6 percent of our entire state confirmed having had covid. And you can be sure that two or three times that number, if you really dig deep into you know the 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 reality of where the virus spreads. So you're now talking about as much as 80 percent of society having immunity. And that that was the magic number, essentially, when we got to approximately 80 percent of people having some immunity. Let me break that down for you. The initiated vaccinations for the state, for everybody, is now 76.1 percent. And then you have this 5.6 percent additional people that are um, people who suffered COVID and got better. Mm -hmm. That takes you over 80 percent of the population with antibodies. Uh, not complete in every case, but antibodies nonetheless, and safe from hospitalization, safe from getting severely ill. So when that happened, it seemed like almost a magic moment where the case counts just started to fall and fall and fall. And so the governor may very well be able to, around that number, around 70 percent, reduce restrictions significantly. I'm pretty confident he's not going to walk away from the travel rules, the safe travels. They've served us well for the reasons I described earlier. Uh, and as you know, the mayors have put in some provisions to have people show their vaccine cards to dine out and so on. But not too much of this is that onerous right now. And as we add children to the vaccination pool, uh, ages 5 to 11, like my son Sam, that's yet another safe measure so that there will be less spread in schools. He may very well uh, begin to really pull back on restrictions. The kind of restrictions that I think are safe are things that are outdoors. I really am not that worried about what people do outdoors at this moment. Uh, I do think it's good to not have giant gatherings, but if people are fully vaccinated and they're wearing masks, being in a wedding ceremony is not a risk. Being fully vaccinated and wearing a mask in your bubbles or little clusters at a stadium watching high school sports or, or UH football is not a risk. So. I hope that those are the kind of changes that we'll be able to make that will satisfy society as we go through October. And then if our numbers are utterly low come, let's say, right before Halloween, that's, that's two full cycles from now. I think it'll make a lot of sense to everybody out there that we begin to really restore normalcy. Okay. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor. So what is the deal with the, with the no UH game? We are, uh, we are struggling, I think, uh, a lot of us. Uh, trying to figure out why we can't do this. I mean, why fans? Yeah, yeah can't I can't mean, go I'm, into. We're uh, talking to you, and you're like, well, outdoors are, <laughs> should you know, be okay. A high school yeah. game at a UH game, you should be fine. And you know, you're the doctor and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I am um, that, and and a few other things. Right, I'm a nuisance, I'm sure, <laughs> to many when I make these recommendations. Look, I stand, I stand firmly by the position that we should be having fans in modest numbers at the UH games. I really don't see a problem with it. You know, a bunch of us are giving the governor that advice and he's going to ultimately make up his mind. Mm -hmm. But the reason I'm in favor of this and especially high school sports outdoors is mm -hmm. because I did do a statewide tour and, and contrary to what people might believe, I really listened carefully to people who are um, on some of the other side of these issues, people who have philosophical oppositions to vaccinations, philosophical oppositions to gathering restrictions. But they, they made some points that I respected, which is that the parts of their life that mattered most to them were things that were with their kids and observing their kids in sports and so on. And so I thought the common ground, the compromise was, okay, 
get vaccinated and then we'll open these events up or get tested at, and, you know, wear a mask and you can be pretty safe. These were the kind of proposals that I thought would be a fair balance. And mm-hmm. and what I said to the gov and, and to some of the other leadership is, guys, look, make modest concessions that are common sense to people so people feel like they're being listened to and that some of the some of the sacrifice that's been significant is rewarded with just very small things. We're talking about these are very small concessions to let people go watch sports or see their kids. I mean, we've now missed out on two years of activities with our children. And I can tell you it's a pretty big difference for us with Maya, who went from 12 to 14, or Sam, who went from 8 to 10. Mm-hmm. You know, And I know everybody's having that same experience with their children. So, look, the numbers are dropping fast. I will tell you this. the um, It's the prerogative. I spoke with the superintendent schools. It's the prerogative from his position of the mayors to make those recommendations. If the mayor of um, city and county of Honolulu, if he makes that recommendation that that we should have sports again, he can press that with the gov and, and he'll have an ally in me on this particular point. So that's the way it goes. Uh, but anyway, we're coming to a better spot. And each and every two week cycle where the numbers drop a lot, I think it makes it easier for the governor to make those decisions. Mm. All right. Sir, I wanted to talk about this um, this CDC warning that came out this week uh, where they were issuing an urgent alert that pregnant women need to be vaccinated against COVID-19 nationwide. More than 160 expectant mothers have died from COVID-19, 22 of them in just the past month. And the vaccination rate for those who are pregnant uh, is really low at only about 18 percent. And I wondered if you could shed some light on the Hawaii situation. Have we had a number of pregnant mothers die with COVID-19. How serious is the situation and the, and the urgency that they get vaccinated? Uh, it's, it's significant. Uh, we have had at least two confirmed fatalities of, mm-hmm. of um, pregnant moms. And look, that is tragedy beyond tragedy because obviously they're very young. You're talking about people usually in their 20s and 30s. So mm-hmm. very young. The challenge, I'll uh, put my medical hat on here for a second, is that the physiology of the body uh, is challenged when you're pregnant. Your immune system is taxed. People's, um, you know, their uh, their fluids and their volume of fluids really is altered a lot, and it makes it uh, more dangerous when you catch a virus because it's harder to breathe. The diaphragm gets pushed up when a, a woman is pregnant, um, when the uterus begins to get into the second and third trimester. And so all of these are really high-risk uh, factors for a woman who's pregnant and also nurturing her baby and also trying to fight off a virus, which can be lethal. So the recommendation is from the American College of of OBGYN to get vaccinated if you're pregnant. And I I think you should. Uh, The reasons are many, but the worst scenarios occur otherwise. You will lose your, your loving spouse and the baby if something goes wrong or in some cases, the baby will be delivered, but the mom doesn't make it. Mm, and uh. that's extremely tough on everybody. I mean, that's one of those devastating circumstances that are almost impossible to get over. So, heck, I mean, that's the way uh, that's the way to go. Get vaccinated if you're pregnant and avoid you know, the consequences of being sick. I, I think the vaccination rate has been going up a little bit amongst those who are pregnant. I think it's up as high as now 30%. But Yes, it's been low. And, you know, this is a category of people, just young people in general, that feel somewhat invulnerable. But um, our dear pregnant uh, friends and moms and sisters and whatnot, 
they are at higher risk. Um, I had a friend who's saying they don't want to get vaccinated because they're breastfeeding currently. Is there any guidance on that at all? Uh, yeah, there is. It's safe. So, you know, I haven't heard any problems with it at all. And honestly, vaccines just through breast milk is not going to be your problem. They're just not. The, the only risks you really have are when there are some side effect profiles and there haven't really been any of consequence with this one, um, which are, you know, contraindicated that it's straight up risk. So breast milk, no. And people could accommodate that by, of course, you know, taking some time in between getting their vaccination and doing the, the breastfeeding. It's hard. I understand. I mean, I, it, there could be some compromises there and I think it would be totally safe. Overall, though, I just worry about pregnant moms and we we should not be seeing any young people die from COVID. If you're vaccinated, it's not going to happen. You know, over 98 percent of all of our fatalities have come amongst those who are unvaccinated. Eighty eight percent of all all of our hospitalizations have been those who are unvaccinated and young people are really safe if they have have gotten immunity. So um, this is not a group that we want to be reporting with extra fatalities. Over the coming weeks, you're going to see the fatality numbers drop a lot, back down to just one or two a day. And then, then there again will be days where there are none uh, come late October. So just be super careful. And alternatively, if, if for some reason people are totally against getting vaccinated and they're pregnant, then you should lay low, stay away from others, wear masks all the time, uh, and just have very little risk. Expose yourself to no gatherings because uh, unvaccinated individuals – still with COVID out there are going to catch it. Mm, okay. All right. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you, sir. So over in France, they're going back to kissing as a greeting. You know, they do the air kisses, two cheeks kind of a thing. Mm. My question to you is here in Hawaii, you know, the, the, the local tradition of kissing each other on the cheek to say hello or aloha. Um, sometimes people want to do like the full honey. You know, that's the traditional where, you know, you put your faces together and breathe each other's air and, and breath. And <laughs> all of those <laughs> things have been on hold in this pandemic uh, for a lot of people when will it be safe to go back to those things you think uh, it'll be next year but definitely no time mm. okay because okay yeah that's going to be uh, mass spread is what i would say yeah um you know i'd say you're getting closer it's not safe yet delta variant um as a infectious disease is still there and it's in the upper respiratory uh, airways of of some people, even if they've been vaccinated. So probably not the best idea, but this is, again, all an extension of normalcy, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the French are doing. I, I never understood them much at all, but <laughs> they, they seem like great people, okay? Uh, I know the French consulate, he's an awesome guy here, but in general, we're trying to avoid uh, close contacts, which means less than six feet with people that you uh, don't have full confidence that they're immune. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, you don't want to be in someone's air that long, and direct contact can really cause uh, cause spread immediately uh, if people are taking their masks off and um, touching their noses together or yeah. or you know, giving a, a quick kiss. So let's do that with your family. You know, when you're there in your um, bubble, no matter what, you kiss them all day long. That's totally fine. But don't do it with strangers just yet because we still do have quite a lot of cases. We still have, I think, 132,000 people who are eligible for the vaccination who haven't gotten it at all. And then there's another 203,000 keiki 
that, of course, are not vaccinated. So you're talking about like 335,000 individuals in the state of Hawaii that have no immunity. And if you end up snuggling up with one of them and you happen to be a carrier, you're going to give them COVID. So that would be a circumstance in which we could get like another small spike. So just kind of give people a shaka, maybe a fist bump or something, (laughs) wash your hands. And then, uh, and then we're going to get to Thanksgiving. And I actually am now um, firmly in my belief that by Thanksgiving, we're going to be in a very, very good spot, even probably Halloween. So I'm so proud of everyone. And I know it's been tough, but I, I want us to you know, see this end game through because I don't want this to, to drift into 2022. I really want this to be over. The holidays are just around the corner. I'm expecting special holidays for everyone. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we all are. Thank you so much to the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care.